It's time for Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shop, The Power Lodge, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Now, here's your host for Brainerd Outdoors, Ryan Moon. And welcome into this week's show. We've got a lot to cover. Got the latest from Mille Lacs. We'll also head out to Ottertail Lake, get the latest from out there with Eric Osberg and talk about next weekend's OTC on Ice event. We'll do some ice trolling with Tony Roach. Talk some selective harvest with pan fishing with Jason Freed, plus another great recipe from Chef Joel from Black Bear Lodge and Saloon. All that and more on this week's edition of Brainerd Outdoors. And we'll kick the show off with our Lake and Field segment brought to you by Oars and Mine and Crosby, your one-stop shop for ice fishing in the Cuyuna Lakes area, lures, fresh bait, and your propane filling station for the Cuyuna Lakes. Oars and Mine, located on Highway 6 in Crosby. And we'll kick the show off. Let's head out to Mille Lacs, get the report out there from Steve Sapaniak with Predator Guide Service. And, you know, here we go, Steve. Last week when we talked to you, we were going from somewhat of a warm front into this deep freeze, and now going into this weekend, we're coming out of the deep freeze back into a warm front. That's got to make things a little interesting. Uh, interesting is, is putting it mildly, Brian. I'm, I'm still trying to unthaw some uh, digits on my body right now. Fingers <laughs> and everything else are froze, but yeah, it's making things, you know, really, really difficult and different. Right now, you know, with the high-pressure system leaving and everything from that massive, huge cold front we had, you know, the bite should start to pick up better. It's starting to go a little bit better already, I've heard, so things are moving that way. And then it should continue until we get our next massive cold front again. I mean, even during that cold front, the third day of the cold front, things started biting a little bit on Mille Lacs, like the walleyes and stuff. But, yeah, things are starting to pick up again, Brian, with the pressure system leaving. Things are starting to move, which is good. You know, a lot of people have been enjoying it out there in Mille Lacs Lake. I said it the last few weeks that you and I have been on, I haven't seen this many people on Mille Lacs Lake having fun during the wintertime in probably 10 years. So it's good to see the crowd again. For sure. Now, you and I have talked about this before, but I just kind of wanted to backtrack a little bit. What's worse, Steve, going into a cold, drastic front like we had or coming out of one going into a warm front? And really, you could even speak to open water and hard water fishing. Uh, what's worse? You know, uh, the day or two before going into the cold front, the fish really put on the feed bank. I think what's worse, in my personal opinion, is going into the cold front. It's Once you get past that great initial bite, like the second day before and everything, you've got three, four days once that cold front starts of nothing moving, nothing biting. Then it slowly starts, you know, fish will have to eat them. They'll slowly start to put on the feed bank even during the cold front. But once that pressure system leaves the fish really get going better. I know you and I have talked about this before, you know, for the people listening. What does a cold front do? Imagine a gallon glass jar filled completely to the top. Now get a cover that fits perfectly tight inside the glass jar. Put your hand on top of that cover and start pushing down. It has nowhere to go to, but to build up pressure. And when the old saying, remember the old myth and the old wives' tale, a cold front drives a fish to the bottom? That's exactly true. So once that pressure system leaves, it's time to party for the fish, and that they, that they do. I would work a jig and minnow slow combination with your, you know, you know jigging back and forth, you know, small, small presentation. I'd have about a three- to five-inch shiner on my dead stick. You know, there's no doubt about that, not more than four inches off the bottom. Here's a key, a trick I've been keeping quiet for many, many years. 
if you're on the ice, which a lot of people will be, you know, the weekend here is showing up pretty good. Nice weather in the 40s coming up for us. You know, keep that dead stick close by within 10 feet of where you're jigging. Walleyes are top-line predators, just like pike and muskies. They will come up to a lure, and then they will circle around, you know, watching it like a timber wolf does. It circles its prey. So when it circles around, it's going to come face-to-face with that uh, shiner middle. you got a win-win situation there. Getting around on Mille Lacs, Steve, right now, uh, obviously we do have some snow and stuff like that, but when we have weather like we're going to have this weekend, people maybe can hole-hop a little bit and drill a bunch of holes, which we like to do. Is it easy to get around on Mille Lacs right now? You know, it is. You know, they've, they've plowed a new bunch of roads and everything, which is great because the old roads, you know, they were starting to freeze up so tight and the ice was just shattering and cracking. It's easy to get around. If you're going to drive any kind of vehicle besides your truck, I would definitely go with a snowmobile. You can get out and punch a lot of holes. Enjoy yourself. Hole hop, like you said. Have fun. Take advantage of the great bite that we're, that is, you know, this weekend is going to provide. It's well worth it. Yeah, and I would think, uh, you know, maybe targeting panfish might be the way to go this weekend with these warmer temps as well. Definitely. Definitely. In fact, you, you read my mind what, what my game plan is. It's going to be panfish targeting and perch targeting. As much as I love chasing the walleye and the big pike, you know, it's going to be that time of year where I, I need a couple more meals of big sunfish under my belly. <laughs> so there you go. Some options for you if you're heading out Mille Lacs Way. That's Steve Saponiak, Predator Guide Service. You can check him out at PredatorGuideService.com. I appreciate the info, buddy. We'll talk to you soon, okay? My pleasure, Brian. Thank you. Let's bring in Jason Freed with Leisure Outdoor Adventures and a conversation I had a couple of weeks ago with Jason. Kind of thinking about changing the mindset when we go out pan fishing during the ice season. And even open water, for that matter. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, and, and we talked about it before, and, you know, technology has changed the game. And fish, you know, fish just aren't safe. I mean, they're not necessarily safe anymore. I mean, you think about, you know, years ago when you didn't have the Navionics app on your phone and you didn't have, a, you know, your GPS all with your Lurance or you didn't have, you know, some of these things. You didn't necessarily know about these spots, um, you know, to get to. And, and so fish just aren't as safe. And, you know, the one thing about, pan, you know, panfish in general is they, they definitely get fished a lot more and a lot harder in the wintertime. Um, people are more apt to chase walleyes and bass and, you know, some of those more, you know, species more in the summer and the spring and open water season. And so those fish definitely get pushed a little bit harder in the winter. And and typically, you know, you think about like a crappie and a bluegill, they don't, you know, in the, in the summertime, they're, they're far more active in the sense of how they move. Um, you know, I've had instances in the summer where you, you're on them one day and boom, they're gone the next day. Whereas in the in the winter, if, if you find a school of crappies uh, in, the, in the late fall, you go back and in the winter, they're still going to be there. And they, they, they move slower. Um, you know, they're not going to move around as much. And so, I mean, you can go back and time and time again, and those fish are going to be hanging around in that area. And so they're a little bit more predictable this time of year, um, especially, the, you know, we talk about these deeper basin bites. And so it definitely brings up the, the old debate is, you know, how, how many do you keep and, and those those kinds of things. I know last week I brought up, you know, I, if, if you want to find good pan fishing, it, it, don't be a scared, scared to fish those lakes that are five fish limits because those lakes are, are they're kind of under trial studies and, and there's been a lot of research out there about five fish limit, 10 fish limits. And, and a lot of those lakes, um, I was reading some, some survey reports that, you know, it's it, the, it, the success rates are very, very high. They're not a hundred percent. You know, you hear about eight, eight out of the 11 lakes with a five fish or 10 fish limit, um, have shown success with with growing and you, and the one thing that's different about panfish you know if you if you want to catch a big bluegill you know we talk about big bluegills nine ten eleven inches which are big fish for a bluegill 
it takes a long time for those fish to get to that, to become a nine-incher. Um, it takes anywhere from eight, nine uh, years for that fish to get to that point, to get to about nine inches, whereas a walleye becomes a 14-inch walleye in about five years. And so, you know, you think about how the quickly and you know, some of these fish, and, you know, so you start thinking about, like, if you catch a 11-inch bluegill, that, that's an old fish. And, and there's a, I was reading some stuff there um, about a year ago about how, you know, the, the DNR, you know, the, the survey results and how some of these lakes used to have 35, 40% of the population of these lakes uh, were 9 to 11-inch bluegills. And, and now a lot of the lakes are allowed actually less than, less than 5% of the lake uh, are showing those, those results. And so, you know, it's tough. Um, and, and not every lake's the same. I think that's the hardest part for, you know, for somebody like the DNR to come up with just a statewide thing because there are some lakes that are also overrun with uh, stunted bluegills. And those are the lakes that you got to get fish out of, you know. And, and so it uh, definitely, then you got lakes where it's, it's not happening. And so, you know, what's the, what's the, what's the best solution? I don't know if there is one at this time, but I do think that if just being a conservationist, and, and thinking about, you know, these fish, and if you get on a school of really nice bluegills and, and you're catching, you know, different year classes, 7, 8-inch, 9, 10-inch fish, that it's okay to, you know, keep the, you know keep some of those 7, 8-inchers, and you start catching 9, 10-inchers, put them back, because if you put those back, then you're going to continue to have a real solid and fertile population, whereas, you know, if all of a sudden, you know, what happens a lot of these lakes, you go out, people start catching 10-inchers, word gets out, then pretty soon the 10 inchers get wiped out, and then pretty soon it becomes the 9 inchers a year later, and then two years later, all, all you're catching are 8 inchers or 7 inchers, and, and those fish just have a hard time getting, you know, coming back. And so, you know, it's, it, we get, a lot of times we get worked up about walleyes, and we get worked up about bass, and some of those things, and, and we gotta love all, the, all of our species, but we also gotta think about the smaller fish in the system sometimes, and, and, and just taking, you know, taking what we need, you know, if you go out and catch 27 to, you know, 8.5, Inch bluegills, um, that that's quite a meal, and uh, you can feed feed your family and have a great meal, and um, you know. So, you know, I, I I'm, just, I'm kind of an advocate for it. I, I think you're going to see more and more of it. I know the DNR is talking more about um, different things and different regulations, but um, you know, everything from five fish limit, ten fish limit, to even measuring fish, um, which would make kind of an interesting thing. You know, you get on a school of uh, a bluegills, you know, how many guys are going to want to measure? You know, you get the measuring stick out and keep measuring every one to make sure that's a legal fish. So I'm not sure what the best answer is, except just for all of us to look out for the fisheries and and, and be conservationist and and really kind of take care of what we have. Because you know, if if we do, ten years from now, we're going to have continue to have great fishing, and if we don't, we're unfortunately going to be looking at some of these places and wishing we had better fishing. And you know, something else I'll point out too for maybe anglers who haven't or are not real experienced anglers. That would, you know, maybe they're hearing this and going, okay, that's something to think about. The other elephant in the room, Jason, is those that fish deep water. That changes the game a little bit. It does, especially, you know, and, um, you know, I, I see it with walleye fishing in the winter. I see it with, you know, especially like, like take Leech Lake, for example. You know, Walker Bay is um, has 120 feet deep um, within the bay. There's a lot of 60, 80 feet. And there's a lot of humps that top out at, you know, 35, 40 feet. And those, those humps load up with small walleyes. And, uh, you know, when you catch those fish, you have to be patient and, 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 and you can't tell anybody not to fish those places because people want to catch fish. Um, and the same thing goes for, you know, for crappies, especially, you know, crappies, bluegills seem like they're a little tougher, but, um, you know, when you start catching crappies, for example, in a, on a 35 foot basin and they're, you know, seven feet off the bottom, 
they uh, you know they don't do as well, and um, you really got to kind of take care of of that. And so it's just you know being smart and and you know taking your time with those fish and 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 slowly reeling them up and, and not getting in a hurry. Um, you know at the same time you got to kind of find a balance because you don't want to wear them out either. But um, and that's definitely something you got to take into consideration when you're fishing. And once again, you can't tell people where they can't fish, but um, it's just you know kind of using common sense. And you know if you get on a good school and and uh, you know just trying to you know keep track of what you're keeping and what you're getting back, and then just making sure those fish are going back because you know we all, we've all done it before. We, we put a fish back, we think it's going to go, and a lot of times that fish goes down and it just comes right back up, and uh, and you don't see it because it's it's underneath the ice. So. For sure, that's another thing you got to take into consideration as well, and and uh, it's it's all kind of a great giant puzzle, and none of us are experts, and you know, and that's why we got to trust people like the you know the DNR, who's you know, your biological research and all that kind of stuff, and and continue just to be like I said, be conservationists and look out for our fisheries and look out for one another, and and continue to try to do what's best to to be really to protect and, and invest in our future. There you go. Some great stuff from Jason Freed, Leisure Outdoor Adventures. You can check Jason out, leisureoutdooradventures.com, as well as all over social media. I appreciate it, Jason. Good stuff. We will chat next week, okay? Sounds good. Thanks, Brian. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. Special guest this week, we are lucky enough to be joined by Tony Roach with uh, Roach's Guide Service. And we're going to talk a lot of walleye fishing with Tony this week. Uh, I believe, Tony, this is the first time we've had you on Brainerd Outdoors, so welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. What What are things that you like to do this time of the year? Because uh, you kind of like to, to kind of run the gamut between daytime and nighttime fishing. Yeah, Brian, you know, for me, I mean, the ultimate in ice fishing, especially during daytime hours, is like you said, ice trolling. What we do on Mille Lacs, Winnebagosh, a lot of different lakes with a lot of structure is, you know, kind of mark out the structure, uh, either with a four-wheeler, a, a vehicle, you know, just marking out those contours and then come back and then drilling at various steps. Now, where, you know, ice trolling really shines is when you find fish at a particular depth and you start drilling more holes uh, in those areas. Now, this time of year where the fish really aren't traveling a lot, you know, you're not seeing aggressive fish uh, come from afar, even on clear lakes like Mille Lacs, um, you know, you're not seeing fish that are that are moving uh, at any distance during the day. So what we do is we really start to tighten up our hole pattern. So once we find fish in an area, we tighten up our hole pattern. Sometimes that means downsizing with your presentation and working that pot of fish. As soon as you've picked up those aggressive fish, you just simply drill holes or ice troll down the line until you hit a, the next pod of active fish. Now, this is a great daytime uh, way to ice, ice fish all year long, but this time of year in particular, you know, you're picking up a few of the aggressive fish, but you're going to see lots more that aren't biting. Those are great areas to return to towards evening. So if I get into an area where I'm seeing lots of fish, we picked up a couple uh, they're just not active or aggressive during the day. I mark those spots on my GPS in the night. Those are definitely spots you're going to want to return to because you're looking for good numbers of fish to set up during peak feeding, peak feeding periods, you know, mornings, evenings, and, of course, at night. What do you think the biggest mistake anglers make, Tony, when they're drilling their hole patterns? Do you think, do like you said, you want to tighten them up a little bit. Do you think sometimes it can be just a little bit too loosey-goosey with it? Loosey-goosey or, you know, I, I think that... The biggest, you know, thing thing that I see anglers make is they'll drill a bunch of holes and then fish those holes and not move. 
Um, you know, if I drill 200 holes on a spot and I'm not marking fish, I don't really care about those holes. I want to find areas that are holding fish. So I don't have ownership to those holes. I really don't care if there's no fish there or if they're not biting, I'm just not seeing them. We'll just move on to the next area. It might be a uh, just down the brake line. It might be a mile away. It might be five miles away. But just not uh, limiting yourself to those areas uh, just because you drilled holes there. The daytime hours, I tend to fish high in the water column, bright natural color. You know, I should say natural colors or you know, kind of matching the hatch depending on where you're at. You know, obviously Malax is super clear. Winnebagosh is super clear. A lot of these natural, you know, lakes are clear in Minnesota. But if you get in, you know, to a stained water situation, you're going to want to go with bright, rattling type of baits, loud baits. Uh, a lot of people would call them search baits. Uh, something that's going to draw fish to your location. And what I do when I'm looking for fish is I don't spend that much time in a hole. I might spend 30 seconds to a minute in a hole. I'm just trying to see if I can mark a fish or get a reaction out of the fish. Once we've located an area where we're seeing lots of fish, then we start tweaking our presentations where we may be downsizing or, uh, you know, um, changing up colors, uh, you know, sometimes it means upsizing, you know, if the fish are aggressive, they're coming in fast, but they won't quite hit it. Or if you're missing a few fish because you're using smaller treble hooks on your spoon, you know, that's time to upsize. So, you know, we can upsize and downsize just as easy in the, you know, in the same breath as, as when we're out there fishing, you know, um, there's lots of times where I, I think anglers are using too small of baits and, and vice versa. There's other times where, you know, the fish just aren't quite aggressive. They don't want to come off the bottom that much. Well, as long as we're seeing them there, then we'll come back and kind of fine-tune our presentations. The whole ice trolling concept, Tony, is it something that you kind of uh, developed yourself through trial and error, or did you see the concept kind of from someone else and you just modified it to, uh, to fit your liking, or, or is it something that you basically just kind of came up with through the years? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't want to say I'm the first one to ever drill a lot of holes. Um, I, I kind of learned it from uh, my dad and, and a bunch of guys actually up on Winnebagosh because we used to look for perch. And back then, obviously, you didn't have um, the GPS technologies that we do today. So we'd get out to an area that was, you know, uh, a big flat, especially on Winnie. There's monster flats. And we'd just kind of line up and all drill a bunch of holes. And... Uh, Lo and behold, you know, you you go along, you weren't catching them, weren't catching them, all of a sudden you just run into the mega schools of perch. And so then I started drilling holes along contour lines. Um, you know, when I got into lakes like Mille Lacs or Leech or even Lake of the Woods, Red Lake, you know, some of those areas where I wasn't quite sure where the fish were at, I started drilling holes. So then I started fine-tuning that to recognizing seeing fish at a certain depth, or, um, you know, along a certain contour line, or maybe it's just the substrate on the bottom where we're starting to find fish in rocks or weeds. And so, you know, your hole patterns can change that way as well. So I just, I really started just fine tuning it, drilling more holes. And, you know, I, I've always been the type of person that's been curious about what's down, down there and, and what's around the corner and what's around the bend. So then we started taking whole sets of structures and really drilling them out and figuring out why the walleyes are relating to certain areas by using underwater cameras, and, you know, it just went from there. So I don't want to clearly claim that I'm the only one that uh, ice trolls or the first one to develop hole hopping because I just kind of modified it to our needs, and then 
as a guide, you know, we, we set people up on high percentage areas, spots where we're seeing lots of fish, good numbers of fish, catching fish. And then we as guides just ice troll down the break until we bump into active schools of fish. And then we'll move our customers down to those areas. As we get now and towards the end of February, as we get into March, that's when people really like to go after panfish as well, Tony. To some of these concepts, I mean, obviously you do like to punch a lot of holes when you're when you're going after uh, panfish, but some of these concepts that you're talking about with ice trolling, do they translate to panfishing as well? Oh, for sure. It's just a matter of whether you're structure fishing or you're basin fishing. Depth can play a big role, obviously, uh, shallow water, flat you know, uh, especially as we get into later in the season and the fish start coming up underneath the ice or getting really shallow, there's times where you'll have to drill out an area, let it rest, and then come back and kind of, uh, whether you're sight fishing or fishing, you know, just below the ice or, you know, in in 10 feet of water or shallower, um, you know, sound can be a big thing where you spook those fish out of that area and then you come back. I love um, pan fishing in general, you know, all season long, but when you get into March and the fish start to get real aggressive and you're getting big numbers of fish moving a lot shallower, yeah, the ice trolling changes a bit. We're not as focused on structure trolling like we were for walleyes. We're more or less drilling holes looking for fish. An underwater camera is a really useful tool. A handheld camera works great. You can fit it in your pocket. You can identify structure, weed lines, um, you name it. I, You know, there's lots of times where I've, I'm drilling holes and I'm, I'm not sure what's down there. I use my underwater camera to identify things, especially in clear water, because there's so many times where, you know, you drill a set of holes and all of a sudden you find fish, you drop the camera down. It's just such a useful tool um, and an aid to find fish. I, I really can't stress it enough for anglers to always have, you know, some sort of handheld underwater camera with them at all times. Great stuff from Tony Roach with the Roach's Guide Service. Tony, if people want to follow along with what you're up to um, and maybe, you know, want to get in touch with you or something like that, what's the easiest way to do that? Uh, just roachesguideservice.com, or they can check me out on Facebook. You know, I put a lot of blogs and information out there. I I listen to Brainerd Outdoors all the time. It's nice to compare notes with other guides, so um, <laughs> I really appreciate you having me on, Brian. Well, it's great having you on, and hopefully we can have you on here in the future, Tony. I know you're real busy. We appreciate you taking the time to spend a few minutes with us, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you here down the line. All right. Thanks, Brian. Good luck fishing. More of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Welcome back to Brainerd Outdoors on B93.3. And we like to check in from time to time with our good friend Eric Osberg with the Outdoor Report and see what's happening west of us out there at the Otter Tail Lake and that area out that way. And obviously we're going to talk about a big event that's coming up next weekend, OTC on Ice, that I'm going to be a part of. And I'm looking forward to that as well. Eric, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, Brian. So tell me, I mean, obviously a lot of people have not been out fishing based on the severe cold that we had this past week. But uh, before that and leading up to it, I mean, how's the fishing been out your way? Fishing's been good. I I personally haven't been out uh, in in, in about a week. The the walleye bite this time of year tends to slow down, you know, and I think that's pretty normal wherever you go. Um, But we've been actually, we've been doing, the last time we've been, the last few times we went, we've been doing some sight fishing. Um, We're set up on Otter Tail in about, eight feet of water, and so you, you could call it spearing if you want to, but um, my boy just loves, there's a, a school of perch underneath us, right, and uh, catching perch. They're not jumbos. They're not huge perch, right? There's a couple keepers in there, but uh, it's a really good way to pass. You know, rather than 
nothing against flashers, but rather than staring at a flasher, looking down that hole and watching fish is uh, is pretty entertaining. So that's and then you you pick up a walleye here and there. You know, in our shack we got a a uh, you know it's big enough that we you know you have a rattle reel down or a scent line down, and you know you'll pick up a walleye or two behind you. And uh, we haven't seen any big pike yet, but um, we're we're still entertained. And a lot of the perch lakes that we talk about, Eric, on the show are obviously Winnie, and we talk about Lake Bemidji, and even uh, Mille Lacs starting to make a bit of a comeback. Is Otter Tail got a pretty good uh, concentration of perch as well? It's got a ton of perch. The problem is it's got a lot of little perch. Um, we've had days where, you, you know, you're, you're walleye fishing, and, and you end up with a handful of, of keeper perch, right? There's, there's some bigger, you know, it, it, it's tough to get over... 10, 11 inches, um, but they're there, right? We, we've seen signs of them, and there's, you know, especially when you see them on the bottom of the lake looking through the water, they look they look massive, right? Then you get them up through the hole, you're like, well, okay, that's not as big as I thought it was. But, no, there's a huge, there's a super large population of perch. They're, they just don't have the, the size of a Winnie or a Bemidji or, or even a Malax. But you, you, you can weed through those smaller ones. Um, I don't know if I'd spend a day targeting them, but but they're there, and if you can you can get on them, they're fun to catch and and keep entertained, and and you can get a keeper here or there. You know, and you mentioned sight fishing too, Erica. That's kind of a tricky thing too. Not everybody's adept to it. Um, what's the trick there that you like to use? Like you mentioned, your son Willie obviously loves to sight fish as well. Uh, what is there anything particular you do that's different than anybody else? Not, not really. I mean, it, it's hard work. That's that's what that's the biggest deterrent is. It's it's hard work. I mean, you know, basically we cut a spear hole, um, and so you you know you take your auger, you angle your auger bit a little bit, and you punch as many holes as you can safely. And then you've got a then you've got an ice saw, and you, you you cut in between the holes. And then some people you know then push the ice block underneath. I prefer to to try to drag it out of the hole. Couple of reasons. Number one. I don't know if that looks normal to a fish to see a big chunk of ice. Maybe it does. I don't know. Um, but I also like to have them to, to mark my spot after I'm done, right? So, you know, you use branches and things like that to mark your spot, but um, having those ice blocks mixed in with those branches lets people know that, hey, there was a hole here. But it's just it's hard work, right? Cutting that hole out is not easy. And if, if you don't want to cut the hole, you can always just drill a few holes right next to each other, right? So they're so they're one large hole. Um, we've done that before. And it, it it's just uh it's just a different perspective and it, it's it's a it's an entertaining way to fish. No doubt about that. Now one of the terms we have coined uh, for that area, otter tail out that way, is panfish paradise. As we head into a weekend where we're going to drastically warm up now, they're saying mid-30s, possible 40s for the weekend. People maybe want to drill a lot of holes, get out, do a little broken field running, as we like to say. Uh, otter tail and that area, some of the lakes around there, are prime for that. Absolutely. And the, and the panfish bite has been strong. Um, I, I, I've seen pictures of crappies as big as 15 and three quarters inches um that's the biggest i've seen this winter in ottertail county but you know your rush lakes your star lakes your dead lakes those are big bodies of water lots of area to cover and and they're loaded with panfish um we have been seeing crappies you know out on the mid lake holes you know suspended out in in mid lake structures so you find a 30 foot hole or a 20 foot hole or or something like that and they it's it's a fast bite, right? They're they're kind of roaming, but uh, 
you know, they'll be suspended halfway down or even less than that out in those basins. And um, so, you know, you're either looking in the weeds, 12, 11, 10, 9 feet, they're not there, then you head out to the to the Mid-Lake Basins, start uh, drilling and looking. There you go. Uh, something to check out, as we said many, many times, if you like to target panfish, uh, that Ottertail Lake area and that area around there is a place to go. And and one last thing, Eric, before we let you go, the big event next weekend, you're a major, major part of that, and that is OTC on Ice, uh, second annual. I was out there last year, had a blast. Uh, looking forward to it this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. It should be a good time. Uh, and, and for anybody that was there last year or, or heard about it last year, We've made some changes. We've got a, a different tent system. We've got a different heater system. I'm not. I'm not promising t-shirt weather inside of the facility, <laughs> but but it should be good. And and the, the music that I couldn't be happier with the music we've got. Um, they're they're not household names, but they're really good musicians. We've got Aaron Simmons and the Roadkill. We've got Cindy Joe and Dirt Road Dixie. She's part of that North Country Guide Service crew. Um, We've got the four on the floor, a, a, a rock and roll band out of the Twin Cities, Tiger Lily, two rising country stars living in Nashville from North Dakota, and then we've got a bluegrass band, Pertner Sandstone, to, to, Sandstone to finish it off on Saturday night. At the very least, if you come and you listen to those five bands, I, I promise you good music. I can't promise good times, but I can promise good music. And... Um, Bring your fish house. There's a lot of snow out there. You got to be careful where you, you know, getting around on the lake isn't going to be easy. We're doing our best to plow roads and things like that. But, uh, you know, bring the fish house, bring the family, come on out and, uh, do some fishing at night and listen to some good music during the day. And I got one, I don't know if I have time for this, but I got one more thing. We're doing, we built our own curling rocks and we're going to have the first ever otter curling bond spiel. Nice. So, you're you're gonna Brian. You're gonna want to see that. That that might be a spectacle in and of itself. I, I definitely want to check that out, and I, I might even want to take part if I can. I've never curled before, so. Well, it it we it's the best way I can describe it is redneck curling. We took some oak trees, <laughs> cut them into eight foot chunks. We got two by four handles on there. They look cooler than they sound, and uh, we're we're making the the, the curling sheets and. Uh, it, it 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 might be uh, it might be a pretty cool sight. Redneck curling is right up my alley, so I, I'm definitely looking forward to that. And people should bring their snowmobiles too, uh, Eric. Uh, there's a lot of trails out that way if people want to do a little snowmobiling during the day as well. There's 669 miles of trails in Ottertail County, and the Otter Trail Riders Club is going to be leading a trail ride. They're not obviously going to cover all of it, but they're going to be leading a trail ride Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Just come to the event on Otter Tail Lake, and, and at the, the, the north end of our setup, the, 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 there'll be a bunch of snowmobiles there. So even if you're, this, it's a great way to get a guided tour, right? So you show up, bring your sleds on your, you know, on your trailers. Uh, don't, don't be afraid to park your trailer at maybe Thumper Pond, and then you can just ride your sled over to the event because uh, parking will be at a premium out, out on the ice. Um, but, yeah, the, 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 you can hang out with some other snowmobilers and, and get a free guided trip um that i don't know how far they're going to go or where they're going to go but they'll, they'll they'll give you a head start anyway so there you go and everything gets underway on friday right eric friday night the the doors open at 4 p.m on friday night we'll have food and beverage service uh first band is 6 p.m friday night then 8 p.m friday night gates open at 11 on saturday 
and we'll have the otter curling at noon. We'll have dog sled rides. We'll have the snowmobiles there. And then the music will be at 4, 6, and 8 again on Saturday night. So um, come on out, and, and you need a ticket. you got to buy a ticket to get into the music, but you can come and, and check the, the, the sites out, if you will, you know, the, the, whether it's otter curling or the snowmobiles. That's, that's all free of charge. You know, we're just going to charge you to get in the tent and, and listen to the good music. And if people want more information on it, Eric, where can they find that? www.otconice.com. So there you go. Looking forward to a fantastic fun event on Otter Tail Lake next weekend, OTC on Ice. Eric Osberg with the Outdoor Report. You can check Eric out at theoutdoorreport.com as well. I appreciate it, buddy. I look forward to seeing you out there next weekend, and uh, we'll check in soon. All right. Always enjoy talking, Brian. Thanks for the opportunity. And we'll have more of Brainerd Outdoors after this on B93.3. Time for our Hungry Hunter segment here on Brainerd Outdoors. As always, Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon joins us. And boy, Joel, this is a good one this week. You decided to go the venison route. It's venison Cajun pasta. I can't wait to hear this. We're going to start off with some onions and garlic. Saute that down in a little bit of butter. Just kind of brown it up, not to burn the onions or nothing, onions or the garlic. Throw in a little bit of red pepper, a little bit of green pepper, because some southern flavor in there. We're going to deglaze that with a little bit of wine. Add in our venison sausage, and we can use... uh, we're gonna add in some shrimp. We're gonna use we can use raw shrimp or cooked shrimp, whatever you whatever you have, whatever's you know clever. Both work just fine. So we're gonna let that uh, wine reduce a little bit with our shrimp and venison uh, sausage in there. Add in some heavy cream, bring that up to a boil. We're gonna let that reduce a little bit, but we want to be careful. We don't want to boil over our heavy cream, make a big mess. Keep an eye on it. Add in a little bit of shredded Parmesan cheese, and if it needs a little bit of thickening after that cheese, add a little bit of, of roux, you know, a little butter flour mixture. And we'll add in a little bit of cooked pasta, any kind of pasta you like, penne, fettuccine, you know, rigatoni. And we're going to serve that up, top it with a little bit of extra Parmesan cheese and maybe some garlic toast. Got hmm. an awesome meal. Well, anybody that's been listening to the show long enough knows that I am a huge fan of Cajun food. A um, couple things on this. You mentioned white wine with this. I did a little bit of white wine just because I kind of make a little bit of a, of a Alfredo sauce. Would you want to use a Pinot Grigio, a Chardonnay? I guess I generally use Chardonnay in the yep. kitchen, you know, Chardonnay or uh, Chablis or something like that. Something like Chablis. that. And two, if you don't have any sausage laying around, venison sausage, but you just have some venison scraps or something like that, like you would use for stew meat, would that be fine in something Most like certainly. this? Most certainly. That would be very good. <laughs> so we'll have to give it a shot. But, uh, yeah, Cajun venison pasta. If you want to give it a try, Chef Joel, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon in Baxter. Thanks, Joel. Thanks, Brian. And that will wrap up this week's show. Don't forget, you can catch Brainerd Outdoors just after 7, Saturday mornings, Sunday evenings at 7, and Monday mornings at 5, right here on B93.3. You can also stream the show live if you're away from your radio or out of town at BrainerdOutdoorsRadio.com. Just click on the Listen Live tab. That's also where you can listen on demand. And you can also find us uh, podcastable wherever you download podcasts. Uh, make sure you search Brainerd Outdoors, or that be iTunes, Google Play, uh, Podcast One, uh, just a few places. But wherever you download podcasts, uh, subscribe, give us a nice rate and review. Would appreciate that as well. We'll see you next weekend for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors. I'm Brian Moon.
Brainerd Outdoors has been brought to you by Vermal Shoe Store, Randall, Newman Construction, Thielen Meats, and Little Falls, SCR Northern, the guys who answer the phone, Northern Sales and Manufacturing, your Ice Castle dealer in Pine River, Dotsler Power Equipment of Aiken, Tracker Boating Center of Brainerd, Oars and Mine and Crosby, Bimert Outdoors Archery Pro Shops, The Power Lodge, S&W Bait and Tackle, Crow Wing Recycling, Black Bear Lodge and Saloon, and by Radco, your truck accessory pros. Join Brian Moon just after 7 Saturday mornings, Sunday evening at 7, and Monday mornings at 5 for another edition of Brainerd Outdoors right here on B93.3.